I'm Jo Lloyd and welcome to Pet Place, the podcast series from Pet Place, which offers pet owners invaluable advice, inspiration and tips for an easier life. And today we're talking about the great outdoors, looking at ways to enjoy adventures with our pets in North Wales. Joining us in this episode are some special guests. We're all online and socially distanced. And let's start with Katie Owen. Over to you, Katie. Yeah, okay. Um, so my name's Katie and for my job, I'm a physical literacy coordinator. So I'm all about getting people active. Um, so I like to be seen as being an active person myself. So that's where obviously my dog and our adventures come into it. Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm a veterinary surgeon and I'm the owner of Mochtavets and rehabilitation. I set up the rehabilitation part because I like puppies but I prefer older dogs and I think there's so much we can do to enhance their lives and I am so lucky to live in North Wales. We're just spoilt for choice of things to do and places to take them. I'm Laura. Um, I am a supervisor at the pet place in Abergelly. I enjoy going out as much as I can with my two children and my dog Holly. Like Sarah said, we're spoilt for choice. Um, I think we take it for granted, really, how beautiful North Wales can be. Um, I think so many people didn't realise what they had on their doorstep, really, until coronavirus hit and they weren't able to travel. Thanks, everyone. Good to have you on this episode. Today, we're talking about adventures with our beloved pets in North Wales. And I'm going to come to you first, Katie, if that's OK. Um there are so many wonderful places, aren't there, in North Wales. Where would you recommend taking your dog? Um, personally, I think there's a few places that we sort of tend to rotate heading to. So we love heading over to Anglesey, being one of our first choices for all of the beaches and lots of nice places to explore there. We love heading over sort of towards Crickers and Porthmadog Way. Again, beaches, lots of nice um, coastal walks around there. And then... Obviously, living really close to Snowdonia, that is usually my number one choice is heading over that way into the mountains and the lakes and the rivers. Yeah, so that's quite an adventurous little route there, isn't it? If you go towards Port Maddock, isn't that the coastal walk that goes right round North Wales? We do try. I mean, that's quite a hike, isn't it? It's an adventure right there. Stunning scenery as well. Yeah. So we've never done, um, we've done small parts of the coastal path, but we've never done big chunks of it. So I'd love to do bigger chunks of the coastal path at some point. And there is some interesting beaches that normally you would never discover. And once you've got your dog with you, you'll find all those little coves, don't you? Especially on that coastal walk. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful. We're so spoiled being in this area of the world, honestly. I don't think I ever appreciated it when I was younger, but honestly, once I've got a bit older and I've got a dog to go and explore with, I just see more and more of it and I just think it looks amazing. For us, we've bumped into loads of people over the last couple of years sort of recommending walks to each other. So that's sort of how we've discovered new places, really. And it's nice to find, obviously, the popular ones that tourists go to, but there's lots of small local ones that aren't as popular as well. Yeah, so do you have an actual favourite yourself? I love heading over to Newborough, to be honest, only because that is our sort of our club night area that we go to with our running club. Um, so I love Newborough for obviously being right on the beach and having the, the forest there as well. So that would probably be my first choice. So what would you look for in a pet-friendly destination? Um, walks are always my first. So if we're picking somewhere to to stay or just to visit, I like to know there's lots of walks. If we're staying somewhere, 
that we can walk straight out the door. I love somewhere that's got the variation of having a mountain one day, having a beach another, and then sort of a nice amble round a little town as well. So it has to sort of tick a few boxes for us, really. And who joins you on those adventures? Um, so a lot of the time I do just head out me um, and fudge. So a lot of time it's just the two of us. But then also my boyfriend comes along with us when he's not in work and not playing football. And then we go out on some sup adventures with one of my friends as well. Okay, so a few furry friends then. Yeah, so I take, obviously Fudge comes with us. He comes on all of my adventures. And then a lot of the time I will have my parents' cockapoo honey with us as well. So they like going on adventures together. So if you're a new dog owner, where would you say is a good place for them to start? Um, I'd, I always tell people to go to sort of better sequoid area. I absolutely love Betus as a local, and I know tourists obviously really like it as well. There's lots of dog-friendly shops, which are all so welcoming when you pop in, and they want to make a fuss of your of your dog that you take with you. There's lots of places you can go to eat and drink as well that are all dog-friendly. And obviously, there's so many walks around Betus, and there's lots of quieter walks as well. So if you've got a dog that's not as confident or maybe they're a little bit reactive you can get away from the crowds as well which I love about it yeah yeah we all love a beach cafe don't we yeah so I'm just going to come to you on that point Laura what would you recommend that people take with them so I'd say one of my top tips really especially if you've got a bit of an anxious or nervous dog always take one of their favorite toys favorite treats just to help them relax in their environment really um you know Maybe a couple of home comforts, um, especially with these lockdown puppies. Obviously, they've not been out. They've not experienced the open world. They've not um, interacted with many people or many other dogs. So anything really that you can just help to soothe them, make them more, more comfortable. I mean, obviously, we've got certain products uh, within Pet Place to help calm them as well, if you felt that was necessary. Um, a lot of it, though, is just down to... Um, the individual all puppies are different so you know your dog best yeah so I was just listening to what you were saying then I was thinking it's not only puppies going out now you know for us I as a person I'd forgotten what busy places had been like so when I was first going back out I was a bit like whoa this is busy for me so I was thinking it must be the exact same for fudge so for him with everything sort of opening back up and getting busy again I've been doing a lot of training with him just to desensitizing to busy places again so treats are in every single one of my jackets that I've got I've got treats in one side and poo bags in any coat I've got my coat is a bit like that it's all about being prepared isn't it yeah I'm going to cross over now to Sarah hello Sarah Um, tell me a bit about your take on all this Unlike your other speakers, one of my priorities when I take the dogs away is if there's a dog-friendly pub. So we plan our walks and usually end up in the pub afterwards with the dogs. Um, But yeah, lockdown, I think, is going to be a really strange time for people coming out. And I can't overemphasise how overwhelming this can be for pets. And you might have the nicest dog in the world but you suddenly expose them to all these things that aren't familiar and it can actually be massively stressful. And as the lady said before, you know, she'd been doing training, she'd been practicing socialization, you know, before you plan a big trip, these are things that really can help your pet. And, you know, we always say reward the good and ignore the bad and just, you know, you can't be too prepared and they will look to you for guidance. So 
you know, planning in advance, making arrangements, getting them used to things like the car and stuff, you know, really could be the difference between you having an amazing holiday and actually regretting, you know, the decision to take your dog. So it really is down to the owner to, to be fully prepared to, you know, be able to go off and explore and enjoy everything together. Yeah, I totally agree with you on all of those points because I'm sure you're aware, Sarah, that you think sometimes you think you know your dog really, really well and you know the little signs, but there might be new signs as well that they've developed, especially during lockdown. Yeah, I mean, we, we quite commonly see clients that, you know, say, oh, I think he's tired because he's yawning. And it's like, well, he might be, but actually yawning is a sign that he's a little bit distressed. Same with licking their lips, you know, sort of salivating and stuff. So things we do as humans aren't necessarily the reasons why the dog is doing them. So, you know, there are there are lots of little signs that you could look at to, with your pet to see how they're coping. You know, the best thing to do is have a familiar smell or a bed so they've got somewhere, you know, that... If you do take them in a cafe, a pub, you know, to a new, you know, accommodation or something that they've got somewhere that is their space and they can, you know, naturally feel a bit more comfortable with it and and stuff. So I think we're looking at two different situations, aren't we? We've uh, we've got the situation where we want to take our dogs on holiday for the first time or take them on a very long walk for the first time in the countryside. And then we've got that added situation of coming out of lockdown. So with that in mind, how mindful have we got to be about taking our dogs into the countryside from a vet's point of view? Well, I'm, I'm going to sound like a real Debbie Downer now, but I, I, I love walking my dog and having a dog has made me explore the area, but there's so many things you need to be, you know, mindful of, you know, the countryside code, wild animals, the possibility of, you know, accidents, parasites, stuff like that. For the best will in the world, by law, a dog, when it's out in public, must be under the owner's control. And, you know, what does that actually mean? Most people say, oh, my dog's really obedient and well-trained, but actually how good is their recall? You know, if you think in a split second, your dog could be distracted, the potential for accidents and, you know, losing your pet is is huge, really. And, you know, I don't want people to not go out and enjoy walks, but there are lots of things to to consider, you know, not just you, not just your dog, other dog walkers, other animals. Um, Again, I think it's bad manners of owners when they say, oh, my dog's friendly. Well, my dog's friendly, but he doesn't like dogs running up and sticking their faces in his face and stuff. But it it doesn't mean he's going to be aggressive. It's just, you know, as someone said to me once, I wouldn't want to be in a lift with someone jumping up going, hi, 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 hi. So why would my dog want it? So I, I think people just have to, you know, be mindful of everything you know, even from the basics of, are you complying with the law? Is your dog microchipped? Do you have your you know, name and address on a collar? Do you trust your dog off the lead? Does it have to be off the lead? You know, what would you do if X, Y and Z happened? And, you know, I'm not saying that people should plan every worst case scenario, but, you know, we see dogs coming in that have run off people haven't updated their microchip numbers you know and it just adds like really stressful times to what should be an amazing experience oh definitely i think it's just being like you said it's being mindful isn't it 
So for me, it's knowing those sort of it's more of a common courtesy, really. So if we're out walking, you know, if we go for a walk in Gwydda Forest, for example, a lot of the times it'll be a really quiet area. Fudge does have a good recall, so I'll have him off lead. But if I ever see somebody else approaching us, I always double check to see if they've got a dog, if that dog is off lead or on lead. If their dog is on lead, I will always put my dog on lead. It's just a common courtesy thing. You know, you never know why that dog is on lead. They might be in training, they might be reactive, they might be recovering from surgery or might just keep their dog on lead and you don't want your dog going over and being rude and interrupting them and, and causing that reaction. So it's making sure that you're setting your pet up for the best experience as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Laura, you know we talk about certain things that you can do to let other dogs know that your dog is perhaps anxious or, you know, just not comfortable going near other dogs. Is that something you've come across with products? Uh, Most definitely. I mean, there's so many products out there just to aid dog owners. Um, If you've got a dog in training, there is ways, I mean, you can get things to clip on the lead, on the harnesses, on their collars. If you've got an anxious dog, um, if you've got a reactive dog, just to make other dog owners aware that um, even though my dog's friendly, um, my dog wouldn't react very well um, if his space is invaded, basically. Like what Sarah said, you wouldn't appreciate another person in your face um, or just invading your space in general. So it's the same with dogs, really. So if you can just make other owners aware, um, it just makes things a little bit easier for you um, and for the other owners, really. It's like Casey said, it's just common courtesy for other owners just to take a step back, have a look and think, oh, that other dog won't appreciate mine running around because um, he's a little bit anxious. Um, because what you're not aware of is that anxious dog, if he is overwhelmed by other dogs running around him that could take so many steps back for that owner as well um so just putting them um things in place can just prevent so much um just for that dog and that owner really yeah yeah it's not just thinking about your own dog is it it's thinking about other people's dogs as well if we all do this it will make your trip more enjoyable and your dog's trip more enjoyable as well won't it so sarah can i come back to you because we were talking about going to the countryside there might be some parasites to deal with like ticks yes so um you know ticks are quite a common thing Anywhere wildlife can go, you could be sort of predisposed to getting sort of tick problems. A lot of our clients um, seem to be aware of things like lungworm, which although is a problem, isn't such a big problem in this area, but we see ticks uh, quite a lot. It's um, good that we don't actually have a lot of the tick-borne diseases um, that they have sort of down south, but a tick could easily introduce a bit of infection and uh, obviously cause irritation and stuff. We um, recommend treating year round for fleas and ticks and we've got a number of products that do treat for both. Um, But yeah, definitely in the case of having, you know, a walk in the countryside prevention is better than cure. So I would try and be up to date with your antiparasitics and in, you know, assure that the product you're using does treat against ticks because not every product does. Absolutely. So, Katie, have you had an issue with ticks at all? Both of the cockapoos have both had ticks um, being on walks. Usually, if I know they've been in an area that might be more common to things like that, I just tend to give them 
a quick check over when we get back to the car after the walk. Sometimes they're in more obvious places, but you know, ticks can be tiny. So it's just checking all those nooks and crannies that they go sort of the, to those warmer spots and making sure they haven't got any there really. The one thing I would say is if you do find a tick, is if you make sure you know how to remove it properly. Um, sometimes people just pull them out and you can actually leave the mouth parts in, which is still potential for infection and stuff. So uh, you actually need to twist and pull them off rather than just pull the body. Yeah. Yeah, well, you can never be too careful, can you? For new owners especially, they might not know what to look for. Well, we've got um, like a little um, a doggy first aid kit in the car and it's got a little tick remover in there. So that's just sort of handy to have with us when we're out and about. Yeah, what a great idea. A little doggy <laughs> yeah. first aid kit. That's a massive top tip. Yeah, I mean, touch wood, we've not had to, to use it much. But and hopefully it stays that way, but it's there just in case. Yeah, absolutely. Laura, what products um, maybe could we put together in a little first aid kit? I mean, at Pet Place, we do actually sell the first aid kits to start you off with. Um, obviously, you can add as much or as little as you want to whatever you think you'd need. Like Katie said, hopefully you'd never need them. But if you did need it, at least you know you're prepared and you've got it ready. Um you can, I mean, we sell various treatments, bandages, just general creams. I mean, obviously, if you think it, you need to go to the vet, then obviously go to the vet. But just in that time period, if you've been for a walk and you've got a little cut on the paw and you just want something to get you from A to B, basically, it's always worth being prepared by having something like the first aid kit in the back of your car. Especially if you're going on a walk on the beach that's very, um, you know, pebbly, they can actually get little cuts, can't they, on their pads? Most definitely, yeah. We've always got pet owners coming in with cut paws, um, just asking if there's something to help soothe it, um, just help protect or help keep it clean, basically. Um, anything just to help prevent any infection um, so you wouldn't have to go to the vet every single time, hopefully. Um, it's just like us, really. If we've got minor cuts and grazes, we pop a plaster on it. So it's the same with dogs, obviously. If you're out all day walking on the beach, walking on a rough terrain, you're going to get grazes, you're going to get cuts. So having... Um, you know, that first aid kit with you is most definitely going to be beneficial. Absolutely. Uh, Katie, can I ask you how you deal with heat on long walks? Um, my two main things, really, I always sort of check the weather for the week sort of coming up and then depending on the temperatures will depend on what time of day I'll walk them. So I absolutely love sunrise. That's my favourite time of the day. So if it's going to be a hot week, I will be out first thing in the morning and last thing in the evening. Um, and then for the rest of the day, it's just occupying with things to do in the house, some training, time in the garden, or we absolutely love lakes and rivers. So we'll tend to go for nice shady walks that have always got water involved as well. Um, similar to what's been said already, um, it's sort of planning, you know, the times you go. But the big thing we see that people don't often think about is how hot the pavements and stuff are. So, you know, for a dog's pad, you could quite easily burn them if the surface is too hot. So we would recommend actually touching the surfaces you're walking on. And if you can't keep your hand there for five seconds, then it's going to be too hot for your pet to, to walk on. I, I know we're predominantly talking about um, dogs but for all your pets, um, you know, the, the warm weather can be quite detrimental to them. Um, we see a lot of dogs, white cats, um, that get sunburned. 
people you know forget things like that and there are you know i'm sure the pet play sells them but there are sunscreens and stuff available you know for around their eyes their ears the places that do get quite warm and it's still sad to say that every year we see dogs still that have been locked in a car and you know overheated and stuff and people just need to you know at the end of the day your pet is your fur baby and you need to treat it like that and if you wouldn't do it to your child you shouldn't be doing it to your pet absolutely it's a really really good point and what about eyesight for instance doggy goggles are, are they a good idea sarah um they have their uses and again if you're sort of going out places where it is quite warm where it's quite dusty you know they can help protect them um, similar to us, um, dogs predominantly can get sort of hay fever signs, react to sort of grasses and pollen. So, you know, it can protect from things like that. Again, it would be a case of getting your dog used to it, not just sort of assuming that you can put them on and and everything would be okay. But um, one of the things people don't realise is uh, a cat can get sunburned sitting in a window. You know, so you think I've got an indoor cat, there's no chance it'll get burnt. But if it's sat there, um, it can, you know, burn, it can overheat, similar to, you know, what we would do and stuff. So it is just a cat would love to sit on a windowsill in the heat for hours at a time. But it is just checking, actually, that it's not getting too hot or having sort of any problems. Now I think we should also talk about older dogs because my dog is 14 and he doesn't like very long walks now. Uh, What advice would you give me for an elderly dog who still enjoys his walks? Oh um, there's loads of places you can go to that you're parked right at lovely spots aren't you so they don't have to do longer walks Um, especially a lot of the like the beauty spot places they all have maps with different walks on don't they so i know i always tend to go for the the longer ones the tougher terrain but there are simple ones that quite often are recommended sort of like push chair walks i'd imagine that would be more suitable for for an older dog isn't it but it's just knowing your dog isn't it you know when your dog's had enough um i think it's just being mindful of that and not pushing them for any dog regardless of age uh, going for a walk should be the highlight of their day so you know, to tailor it to them. If your dog is managing half an hour, but he's stopping every two or three minutes to sniff, we'll incorporate that in the walk so that he's going somewhere where there are lots of smells. It'll help engage his brain and, and stuff. So from a veterinary perspective, we have so many options to help older dogs. And we've got treatments, you know, from things that an injection that lasts a month to supplements to we do acupuncture and holistic things but we should be making the best walk for them in a day as easily as possible and if it's only 10 minutes we'll take them somewhere nice for 10 minutes and maybe take them somewhere else a bit later so that they're still getting the mental stimulation but yeah definitely as a profession we should and we have got tools to make you know, even for older arthritic dogs, the joy of going out for a walk more pleasant and less less painful. So 
definitely have a chat with you Beth. yeah yeah so that little journey out is still important because that's what I do with him he's he's got arthritis so I still take him out even if it's just around the park and he's still going out and he's still enjoying himself and we jokingly call it that he's reading his p-mail yeah I do that as well he's checking his p-mails <laughs> that's a great one yeah, and you know for them but like when people say oh no he just goes in the garden well you know that in itself will make them more reluctant to go out because they'll be bored and you know they don't get the the stimulation so even if you have to drive somewhere and then go for a shorter flutter walk you know it's still the stimulation there and even in the sea and stuff there is a real sort of benefits to being in water so even if a dog will only paddle rather than swim you get some pain relief benefits from the water so uh, it's sort of non-weight bearing for them and the water can help get rid of some of the like inflammation that you get in arthritic joints and stuff so we're very lucky to be surrounded by beaches and sort of lakes and stuff that are friendly. Um, Laura what sort of beds would you advise on these travels? You want something simple that you can obviously when you get home check in the wash um, you can use over again. It's lovely getting these, you know, really expensive, beautiful beds that you would have in your sitting room. But for travelling, just something simple, something that your dog will be comfy. And like I said, something you can chuck in the machine when you get home. Um, I mean, for the heat, uh, we do also stock cool mats. I don't know if you've heard of uh, of the cool mats before. So you can pop them down and it just helps regulate temperature. So it's ideal for older dogs. Um, my dog uses it traveling in the car so we go camping quite a lot so she's got cool mats so she's feeling just that little bit too much she'll lie on it just to help bring her temperature down right so if it's a long journey i just put that cool mat in the car and he'll just climb onto it most definitely yeah just makes the world a difference to them yeah absolutely so sarah can i just ask you also what are your thoughts as a vet on dog rucksacks well i've got um an arthritic Labrador who's part Labrador, part baked potato, and I'd love my husband to carry him around in a rucksack, but I don't think they do them his size. But um, we encourage clients to go to the charity shops and get buggies and stuff like that. So for the dog, it's being with you and it's being out and enjoying them. So if you're able to carry them in a rucksack and they're not stressed, then absolutely do it. It's you know, the, the same reason we take on Nana out in a wheelchair. She still enjoys it. She might not be doing as much as previously. But again, it's about helping them enjoy the best walk they can. Oh, most definitely. I mean, at Pet Place, we do have the rucksacks. Um, I, obviously, you wouldn't fit a Labrador in it. I mean, I wouldn't want to carry a Labrador in it. Um <laughs> But we've also got the buggies as well. So like Sarah said, when they get to that point, if they've had an op um, or they just can't go any more than 10 minutes, rather than leaving them at home, um, take them with you. I mean, you can let them out, have them 10 minutes and pop them back in their buggy so they can enjoy, they can still enjoy the smell, the sounds, um, just the experience of being out with you rather than being left at home all the time, really. Absolutely. Thanks, Laura. So before we wrap this episode, um, I'm going to ask you to share your favourite places to take a dog in North Wales. So I'm going to start with you, Katie. Um, you know what? I'm going to go for, I'm going to be quite specific and I'll give you Slim Paddon in Clamberis because we love doing either a walk or a run all the way around the lake. 
and then Fudge comes on all my paddleboard adventures with me. Um, we actually went on a quite a big adventure on Saturday down one of the rivers. That is amazing. We need a photograph of that, please. That's incredible. <laughs> uh, Sarah, what about yourself? Um, I would probably say uh, Lake Crognant because it's flat. My dogs are elderly and it's a nice amble round. Um, if we go at a slow pace, they, they manage it and there are areas where they can go for a paddle, be off the lead. And uh, as a place to visit with a dog, I absolutely love Conway. What's your dog's name, Sarah? Uh, Bert. Bert! Oh, that's just <laughs> such a great name. Yes. And Laura, what's your favourite place? I've got, I mean, I've got a couple, to be honest. Um, I think one of my favourite places is next to Sarah's. So it's Lake Garyonath, um, next door to Lake Caravan. And it's beautiful. I mean, you can spend the whole day there as a family, walk all the way around, go for a paddle, um, picnic, barbecue, whatever you'd like. I think my second favourite is going to be Llandonna Beach in Anglesey. It's not a big, busy beach. I think that's what's so nice about it. Even though it's along the coast, it's a quiet, um, more for the locals, really. So some days you can go there and there's only half a dozen people on the beach. You can let the dog off and you can run for miles, basically. It's beautiful. You do realise that I'm going to follow all of you now on Instagram because all of these places sound absolutely amazing. We're so lucky that we have these places in North Wales. And, you know, wow, the fresh air, the scenery, the adventures... They're all incredible, aren't they? Yeah, most definitely. Thank you to all my guests on this edition of the Pet Place podcast, Katie Owen, Sarah Holmes and Laura Jones. It's been great having you join me. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And as always, you can get more information and advice from farmandpetplace.co.uk. That's it for now. See you next time on the Pet Place podcast when we'll be looking at how to plan staycations with our pets.